Please sing with me if you know the words. Every Tuesday, JC and the other staff members collectively gather the 50 or so new and returning participants who show up in Zion's basement. The room is full of people, packed in tight next to each other, sitting on burgundy pleather-covered and polyurethane foam-cushioned metal chairs. I see black women and men, them of deep, medium, light brown hues, I see a few white people in the seats. Some adorn themselves with black hijabs, green head wraps, tan kufis, red baseball hats. Waist-length box braids, fresh fades, springy natural coils and curls, perm straight strands, blonde blowouts, gray bobs cut tight around the jawline and bald heads. In pressed dress pants, stiff collared shirts, relaxed khaki cargo pants, fitted blue jeans, black leggings, track pants. In white t-shirts, light blue polos, button downs, and floral blouses. Some wear gold bracelets, gold teeth with bright wide smiles and intricately drawn arm tattoos of crosses, roses, hands in prayer, names of children, and life loves. I am Yasmin Mumbi, and this is Higher Purpose, a portrait of the jobs movement turning around Baltimore. Join us as we thread deep into the jobs movement for and with Baltimore's residents, under and unemployed, often excluded from earning a living wage years after being locked away. Could this movement be part of the solution to crime, poverty, and pain in Baltimore? How did a jobs proposal aimed to keep people off the corners grow into the go-to workforce development organization that specializes in helping people with criminal records gain employment? It's not about the system, it's about the people. My job is to help you see your power so you can now use it. Bill's persistent and consistent organizing moved Baltimore's top employers to be fair and stop passing over the city's residents for job interviews. You know how I want to change the city? Because many of my people in my community in Sacred Heart, they have power, but many don't know they have power. I want to make sure they get to know they have the power and know how to use that power. It's a story of Baltimore that only Baltimore can tell. And we intend to tell it like it is. Melvin Wilson is the co-director of Turnaround Tuesday, along with Terrell Williams. Melvin stands just behind the brown wood lacquered podium set in the center of the white and red checkered board floor. Both of his hands grip the sides. 
He's a toweringly tall man who served as a police officer in the Baltimore City Police Department for 14 years. On a personal side, um, I have a story where um, I used to be a police officer and spent 14 years on the police department in my last capacity as a sergeant. And I had a family tragedy where my daughter was sexually assaulted um, and here her dad was a police officer protecting other people's children. I felt like I had to protect my own. So I started doing crazy things, quit my job, and found myself on the other side of the law. And while in that brief stint of incarceration, I met people that really never had opportunities in life. And I thought if I ever had an opportunity to, to be an impact and help these folks have a better chance, then I would do that. So when this opportunity presented itself, I, I saw it as a way to create a legacy for myself where I made a difference in some people's lives. On the left side of the agenda, there's something called higher purpose. May I have a volunteer to come up and read that for me, please? Come on, young lady. It's your first time? Okay, Each session begins with a reading of the higher purpose. A short inspirational message that serves to ground the room's collective experience and uplift the minds, bodies, and spirits in the room. Everybody. My name is Latrell. Higher purpose. Your misery is your ministry. Your pain is your purpose. Your suffering is your service. Your mess becomes your message. Your test becomes your testimony. God allows us to hurt, to heal others, because you cannot heal what you cannot feel. So, don't let the pain of your past punish your present and paralyze your progress and purpose. Thank you. Thank you very much. At this point, we do our rounds question. Our rounds question is tied to the teaching. Our teaching today is storytelling part two. And the question is, what story would you tell during an interview that would make you memorable? I constantly, whenever I go in an interview, I kind of build off the strength that my dad left, um, left an impression on me. A sparsely graying middle-aged man with a camouflage-wrapped cast over his left forearm comes to the podium and introduces himself. Tyrone, ties into what we were talking about, the, um, your misery is your ministry. When I was locked up, uh, we used to have these poetry reading contests, and I used to go just to get out the cell. So when I went, I never did it before, so when I went, I used to see these guys doing I was like, they're not that good. So I tried, and we would win commissary if you win. So the first time I did it, I won. Then I did it again, and I won. I did it again, and I won. He told me I couldn't be in it no more. And because um, I would get up there, because I had so much time on my hands, every time I would write it, I would remember everything I would write, so I would get up there and say it without a piece of paper like everybody else was doing. And from then on, I've been writing ever since. And everything I write been positive, so it ain't, it ain't no negativity in it. I'm trying to think. Um, I ain't got no short ones. They all like long, so I'm trying to think. Um, I'm trying. All right. Um, 
I'll be a better man. For most of America, it was a great time for change. But for the urban youth back then, let me explain. Life seemed great for what it was. We were chasing money or chasing the buzz. Selling heroin and crack, that was our way to get to the top. There was no way around it. We never stopped. Education became an afterthought. It was a street life for us. That's what we saw. While suburban kids were finding ways to get into places like Harvard and Yale, for young men like myself, it was the street life would fail. Now much time has passed and we're middle-aged men, paying the price for our behaviors from way back when. Poor, prison, and the grave is where many of us landed, and the drug game is dead. Thank God for that, but now we're stranded. Left behind in life because we live contradictory to America's ways. Now we're trying to figure out how to live out the rest of our days. Some may say, it's your problem. No one else's fault but your own. Why should we care now that you're grown? Because we were groomed in that life. I know it's hard to understand. I'm not trying to explain it. I don't think I can. I'm just stuck in this rut trying to make it through, looking for some answers, not knowing what I should do. Then I thought about the past and all those failed plans and came to a conclusion that I'll be a better man, like being a better uncle, father, and son, because of all the hurt and pain I've caused in life, my family deserve none. I remember in times past when they were all my biggest fans. That's why today I choose to prove my love so for them I'll be a better man. You see, life can be simple, but we often make it hard, especially when we're living our life for no reason, purpose, or cause. So I've decided to change my ways. It's time to take a stand. I'll do the best for others so they can be the best they can. You see, in life I can't be selfish. It's not all about me. If I change my ways for the better, I must help my brothers in need. So I live my life for God and follow his master plans. That way I know for sure that I'll be a better man. The successful jobs movement embracing Thai and many others to recognize their own power almost became the movement that never was. In 2013, then-Mayor Stephanie Rawlings-Blake and her staff worked to develop and support BUILD's initial jobs proposal. BUILD secured $1.2 million in wages with the community redevelopment organization they co-founded, Rebuild Metro, for construction work in the Oliver neighborhood in East Baltimore. The 2015 Annie E. Casey Foundation's report on Rebuild Metro's housing work describes the neighborhood where Turnaround Tuesday began. They describe it as an overlooked sliver of East Baltimore that has declined over several decades, beginning in the 1960s. Many middle-class residents left, businesses folded, and some churches moved out of the area. By the turn of the 21st century, Oliver was in distress. With more than 1,100 abandoned homes or vacant lots, rampant drug dealing, and little, if any, investment flowing into the community. Drug trafficking and violence used to prevail. More than 1,000 properties were vacant. 2002 brought the notorious killing of the Dawson family, firebomb, after reporting drug dealing. But today, Oliver is a very different place. What's happened in Oliver is a remarkable exception to an otherwise grim picture in Baltimore, where the annual count of homicides has dipped below 200 just three times since 1970. 
You also look at those same spots, you're gonna find out your light outages. You're gonna find your legal dumping 301 request. You're gonna find your housing code request, your health code violations. Those involved in changing Oliver credit not one effort, but several. Strong community organizing led by the group Build, Public and Private Investment. After Rebuild Metro completed rehabilitating and renovating over 100 homes, the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, HUD, and the Advisory Council on Historic Preservation awarded Oliver with the 2017 Historic Preservation Award. Build called on Mayor Rawlings Blake to invest a remaining $594,000 over three years to grow what would become the Turnaround Tuesday movement of today. Turnaround Tuesday's co-director Terrell and Zion Baptist Church's grounding spiritual leader, Pastor Marshall Prentice, remembered looking out Pastor's office window at the neighborhood's redevelopment. They saw 20 to 25 men on a corner in the middle of the day without jobs. Terrell and Pastor Prentice, a man of gravitas and moxie, decided to go out with clipboards that day and talk with the men gathering on the corners outside the church. So we decided, we were sitting out there, we talked about jobs, we saw the folk out here in the community that was either using drugs or selling drugs or abusing the community, and said, let's go out and see if we offer them jobs, and let's see if we could get them uh, living wage jobs and see if they would respond to that so that as the former mayor, Stephanie Rollins-Blade, was trying to clean up this area of grime and crime, uh, we had started an initiative that was working well. We saw the elements of the negative activity coming back. So we just said, let's take these clipboards and we start talking. And basically saying, hey, if I could get you a leg- legitimate job, would you stop doing what you're doing? Terrell, a former Baltimore City special education teacher, was there in Oliver. He was on the ground as a build organizer. Our idea was, since we've gone to the corners and we've listened to these people and we brought them into the church and we've listened to them over this period of time, the one thing that we understand clearly is, one, they want to work. They don't want to be on the corners. They want to work. Other people began to join them on these walks like Baltimore City Police Officer Otis Daniels, and Melvin, Zion's chief of operations at the time. Officer Daniels, one of the few officers tasked to support people after incarceration, saw the early beginnings of Turnaround Tuesday as a preventative alternative to more arrests and jail time. To him, the answer was simple. So I'm either going to send you to jail or become to become a better criminal because there is nothing for you to do in jail? But to sit and think about how you can be better at doing what you're doing with like-minded people, with no programs for you to better yourself rather than a GED program maybe, is there an alternative that I can even get you away from Baltimore so you can see a different side of life and you can see something different, learn something different, and improve on living or something. But it was more than simply getting the men jobs. It was about helping them gain employment that would sustain a livelihood for their families and possibly put them on a path to rent or own one of the homes built by Rebuild Metro in the community. Not only are the teachings about, you know, soft skills, holding and maintaining a job, it's also leadership, accountability, 
take pride. Granted, the, the circumstances may not be the best way you act, but take pride in that. The autopsy on uh, this 25-year-old is now complete. Uh, the names of the officers involved in his arrest, uh, arrest dying after bouncing around at the back of a police van. Six police officers face state criminal charges, but none have been convicted. And here tonight, ABC senior justice correspondent Near Thomas. Tonight, the investigation into the controversial death of Freddie Gray, which sparked angry protests. No justice! And riots in Baltimore in 2015 is coming to a close. On the way to turn around Tuesday, I drive past a billboard-sized sign against a gray backdrop atop a roof of a vacant former bank with a for-lease sign on its weathered sidewall. Its capitalized words, worn and hand-painted, read, Whoever died from a rough ride? And underneath, in smaller text, The whole damn system is so guilty as hell. The sign speaks of 25-year-old Freddie Gray from the Sandtown, Winchester area in West Baltimore, who died in 2015 from severe injuries to his spinal cord after he was taken into police custody and put in a police van. The city uprose in mournful protest and lit up in resonant fury before the National Guard. Zero police officers were convicted of his death. The Department of Justice investigated the Baltimore Police Department and found widespread unconstitutional and discriminatory policing in the city, particularly in poor, predominantly black neighborhoods. A consent decree mandating police reform remains hereafter. And just over one year before the day Freddie Gray died, in April of 2014, Pastor Prentice says Mayor Rawlings Blake withdrew her support for Build's jobs proposal. Baltimore Mayor Stephanie Rawlings Blake and Build, one of the city's largest community activist groups, are at odds over a pilot jobs program for ex-offenders in an East Baltimore neighborhood. Build asked the mayor to help fund part of the program. The mayor said no. no, 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 no. We were under the impression that we were moving forward with a plan that we thought that would work better particularly for the residents of Auburn, the city it's on at whole. Rawlings Blake would not explain at her news conference last week why she refused the request. Build was left to reorganize its strategy to put Baltimore back to work. Pastor Prentice tells the story of what happened next. I'm sorry, we went back to the meeting that we were meeting every other week, and the deputy uh, mayor said the mayor's not going to fund it, he's not going to fund the money, and we were embarrassed. I was because we made commitments to people. We told God's word, we told the people, God's gonna make a way, you're gonna get a job. So God's reputation, science reputation, mind the trails and build there. So it's like, we gotta do something. What Bill taught us, you go, if one power group doesn't do it, whether it's civic, government, or business, you go to the next. So because the, um, Political powers, we're not going to do it. We went, that's when we went to Johns Hopkins and challenged them. The Johns Hopkins Health System, the second largest private sector employer in Baltimore, after Johns Hopkins University, had been hiring some people with criminal records to fill entry-level positions since the late 1990s. But given this history, Bill went to Hopkins to organize the rest of Baltimore's leaders in education and medicine to hire people with criminal records. 
It was an opportunity for the city's corporate leadership to invest in Baltimore's returning residents and their families. The strategic partnership between hospitals in Baltimore City and BUILD, while opportune for Turnaround Tuesday participants like William Glover Bay, was formed out of necessity and a shared interest in hiring people for jobs. Johns Hopkins had put together and hosted a breakfast for the top employers in, in Baltimore City, and 14 of us turned around to the recipients and leaders were invited to this breakfast. I that formed the host of Hopkins, the lady representative, that it was my, I was going to interview after this breakfast. And she hollered out to everybody, we am going on this interview. <laughs> so I didn't, I, I forgot after the, after the event was over, I went straight to my interview, which was a two o'clock interview. And I got there at one thirty, And, and the secretary said that, um, Oh, um, I said, I'm here for my interview. She said, oh, we stopped interviewing. I said, no, I have a two o'clock interview in the same tone of voice. And she said, well, I think they're all gone. I can check. So who come out the back but Joseph Phelps, who was the chief background investigator, who was sitting at the table with me. And he said, hey, William. I said, hey, Joseph. And he said, uh, William was with us at the breakfast, right? And the lady says, well, I'll call back. I'm pretty sure they're gone. Joseph went somewhere and called somebody and came back out and said, William, don't go nowhere. They're coming back to interview you. And I was so grateful. William was one of the first participants to secure his position at the hospital through Turnaround Tuesday, shortly after the breakfast. He's now a current community health worker at Johns Hopkins Hospital and former Employee of the Year award winner. Nikki McCann, Chief of Staff for Johns Hopkins Hospital, weighs in. We, we have positions that we can't fill, and why are we turning these people away? And yes, they deserve a second chance, but you know, it was, there was a need on our part as well. And I think that's, I just wanted to highlight that because I think it's important. Um, and you know, I've heard Melvin say this before, but we can't, we can't sell these programs as charity, right? We're not, we're hiring somebody who wants a job is, is what we're doing. Hearing Nikki reminds me of Terrell's conviction. What we had to help them understand is this. This is not charity. We're not asking you to do charity. We're asking you to be fair. That is it. Because if you give our people the opportunity at the entry level to get the interview, they'll get the job. That's what we know. Not only will they get the job, they'll stay in the job and where you have a 30% retention rate at the entry level, we'll give you an 80% retention rate. Who's winning? In the five years since Turnaround Tuesday's founding, the city of Baltimore has seen three mayors. Current Mayor Bernard C. Jack Young, Catherine Pugh, and Stephanie rollins Blake. Three mayors later, Build Turnaround Tuesday now holds a favorable reputation as the go-to workforce development organization that specializes in helping people with criminal records gain employment at anchor institutions like Johns Hopkins Hospital, University of Maryland Medical Center, MedStar Health, and Blueprint Robotics. Susan Hussey, Vice President of Human Resources, 
for the University of Maryland Medical Center remarks. So when you have a group like Turnaround Tuesday that has already worked with individuals and can say, yep, we can back this person, then, um, then that's a huge help to you as an organization to know the risk that you're taking on this person is now far less than the risk that I'm taking on someone who just walks off the street that I have no idea of anything about them other than what they put on their application or their resume. So. Melvin emphasizes to new participants at every single Turnaround Tuesday orientation. If you have a record, you're in the right place. If you don't have a record, you're in the right place. I don't care if your record is as long as no back, then you won't be able to help And still to this day, William continues to return to the Zion Baptist Church basement on the Tuesdays he's off from work. There's a healing that takes place here. People are being healed from the pain and suffering of whatever experience they had in their life. You can tell the ones that are brilliant, watch they come sit on the front row every time. They're healing, you know. The people don't realize it, but this is a healing place as well as an employment place. William's pain certainly is a testimony to Turnaround Tuesday's powerful healing. In recovery for a drug addiction that drove his life for almost 35 years, William has lived through 15 years behind bars and survived being shot four times on three different occasions. He believes in Turnaround Tuesday and continues to encourage others to turn their lives around just as he did. What follows is a counter to the narrative about the people of Baltimore. This isn't a story about what's not working in our city. This isn't a story about the homicide rate, the underfunding of our schools, the disinvestment in our neighborhoods, the instability of our political leadership, nor the found abuse of power in our police department. There is no shortage of stories that split our city's wounds open, leaving them to bleed across your headlines. What you miss are the stories that make us whole again. Build's Jobs Movement is that story a repairing of our city from the inside out. What follows is our reclamation of power, dignity, and agency. Up next on Higher Purpose, we take a closer look at what makes Turnaround Tuesday special. What makes it a jobs movement, not a jobs program. A movement is something that listens to the people consistently and constantly. A program is designed for everybody to fit into. And we was not going to design something to say everybody fit in this box. Because we know people don't fit in boxes. Toys go in boxes. Products go in boxes. People don't go in boxes. So we listen. You are listening to Higher Purpose. A portrait of the jobs movement turning around Baltimore. Higher Purpose is a four-episode audio documentary series written, produced, and narrated by me, Yasmin Mumby. Audio production, mixing, and music score by Justin Mayfield. <laughs>